change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podsky Weebly. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, lots of stuff to get into this week, but off the top here, we have to follow up on what has become the story of the year in the Canadian Football League, Slurpee Cups. Mike, the Slurpee Cups have been found. In fact, I am sitting here tonight with a nice cold glass of water in my Hamilton Tiger Cats Slurpee Cup that I bought at 7-Eleven last week. So it looks like some of us were a little premature in our excitement about these cups and that now the rollouts, I've seen tweets about Elks Cups and and Ticats Cups and all the cups seem to be out there. I will also add that it looks as if those Argos Cups that were around when we last talked about this have have disappeared. Uh, when I went to pick up, I went to, I, well, I didn't go to both 7-Elevens, but I know that both 7-Elevens in Hamilton have these cups now. I was also able to get a Canada Soccer one too, so that made me pretty excited. I know you don't care about that, but hey. I, I have something to drink out of when I watch my soccer matches now. And Mike, because I'm such a very good friend to you, I picked up a Thai Cats Cup for you that I will send out to you at some point. I still have those t-shirts that I got to send out to you, so they'll be coming with a cup too. So you're welcome, young man. Um, mm-hmm. The cups, man, they're, they're pretty cool. Like, they're, they're, the design's kind of neat. I don't know if you've seen the, the pictures of them online. I think I posted one. I think someone, someone was like, Pixar didn't happen when I said I got the cup. I think pretty sure I posted one. They're like nice thick plastic. Like they're really, it's it's a, like it's a plastic cup. So it's something to like write home about, but they're, they're pretty. I think you'll like it when you see yours. So we can now put this feud, this short feud that I had with 7-Eleven behind us. And now we can, we can move on because the cups are now, I think, available nationwide, except if you live in Ottawa or Montreal where they don't have 7-Elevens, but that's another story for another day. So when uh, when we figure out a, a t- uh, when I can figure out a time to send uh, these cups out to you, Mike, you will get one of your own. You'll be able to drink out of a Thai Cats cup when you watch your Thai Cats game. You got to be excited, right? I'm very excited, and uh, you know I, I was having trouble sleeping knowing that this feud <laughs> was continuing between you and Seven uh, Eleven, and just just the thought of you having to downgrade to the Circle K Frosty <laughs> was giving me you know nightmares at night. So I'm I'm just glad we can move forward with our lives now. Well, it's nice that you're you're such a good friend that you are on my side. Never went to a 7-Eleven while we were feuding, right? Like you had my back there. No, well. <laughs> oh, you're a bad friend. I go oh, out no. of my way to get you get you a cup, and you're behind my, cheating on me behind my back going to 7-Eleven. Although to be fair, I went to 7-Eleven a bunch of times just to see if they had the cups, and ended up buying Slurpees anyway. So it was really a one-way feud, and not even really a feud because I still would have I still went there. You couldn't resist the Slurpees, and you know I got I got the. Couldn't resist the orange pineapple slurpee, so I tried that out. It's pretty good. It's your go-to, eh? Or the new flavor? It might be the new flavor. I was uh, I was a banana guy, believe it or not. Like if if anything, banana like came out like I know people. Some people think it's gross, but I don't know. I just love the frosty, the banana frosties. Huh. Neat. Neat. Yeah, because didn't you say that you're more of um 
like a, a a fruit not not a fruit flavored guy but you're you're less of a like a, a pop guy when it comes to the slurpees yeah 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 i'm not a big like coke or you know dr pepper or anything like that i'm more of a more of a fruity guy <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know we like what we like, man. I'm I'm Dr. Pepper is my my go-to. I'm not a big Coke Coke Pepsi. Like I just feel like they're kind of bland. Dr. Pepper just something about it just hits the spot. Although every time I, I go, like I remember one time they had like a it was like a peach lemonade or something like that, and it was like that. I, sometimes they come up with flavor combinations. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go away from what I normally get and get one of these. But like, just some sometimes it's just you go in there and you're like, oh, they got Sprite. I could like I would drink a Sprite right now. So a nice frozen sprite just just really hits the spot that sounds but, uh, see i like sprite a lot i've never tried a sprite uh slurpee, slurpee? So maybe i'll have to try that yeah i think uh, i think that might be your next your next one you get when you pilgrim down to 7-eleven do you have a 7-eleven near you by like how close is the close to 7-eleven it's pretty close actually i, I just found yeah? that out yeah yeah there's one that's probably like uh you know five to ten minute stroll so it's not that pretty close to one close to one to me is like a 40 minute walk <laughs> Oh, and I walked uh, there twice. I walked there twice because I was like, I, I like to go for walks during the day sometimes. Like, like I don't do now that the, my job's more like sitting and writing and watching stuff. I don't I'm not as physically active as I used to be. So it's like I have to carve yeah, out yeah. time. I was like, oh, let's, you know, go for yeah. a, a nice a nice walk, you know, hour or so walk. And a couple of times I was like, oh, I'll just go walk to the local 7-Eleven. And yeah, it was like took me like hour, 40 minutes, like round trip. But it's like ah, I got podcasts and I don't mind walking. I I love walking. Like I, when I lived in Toronto, I used to walk all the time. So, but it was just like when you go once and it's like, oh, there's nothing. And then you go a second time, you're like, oh, there's nothing. And then it wasn't until I started getting, because I got inundated with tweets when these things came out. It's like the one on, so there's two. There's one on Upper Wellington. I can't remember Wellington and Wentworth. I know the Hamiltonians are like, how do you not know the difference? One or the other. I think it's on, I think it's Upper Wellington. And then there's one on Melvin Street, which is more near Stony Creek. And hmm. someone was like, oh, the Melvin one has one. The Melvin one has one. I was like, oh, my God, that's so that's so far away from where I am. I was like, well, if they got them, it's, it's like they have a bunch. Like there's like 30 or so here. I was like, OK, well, the other one must have them. And then I walked over, found them all, got them. And it was A-OK and we we're all happy again. So uh, I think that'll be the last time we have to discuss Slurpees on this show. At least I hope so. Unless next year they come out with more Slurpee cups and then we're going to be running around Absolutely trying to find those calm. two. But I think after this, we'll be a little more calm, right? Like. They're introducing Slurpee Cups doesn't mean they're going to be in stores the next day. Maybe we'll wait a couple of weeks before we start losing yeah. our minds. Yeah, maybe next time we'll, uh, you know, keep it a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of losing their minds, Tirecat fans lost their minds this week because the biggest news that came out about our Tirecats was that on, on Monday, they hired Kahari Jones, former head coach of the Montreal Alouettes, in the role of football operations consultant. That title is incredibly vague. But I think there's no way other other way to put it, Mike, than saying getting someone as smart as Jones on staff is a good move, regardless of the role he will be asked to fill. I think Orlando Steinhauer called it a no-brainer when he was in front of the media on Monday answering questions about it. Uh, this is also a return to Hamilton for Jones, who played for the team in, in 2005 and was a coach with the Ticats for three seasons, first as the team's quarterback coach in 2009 and 2010, and then as the offensive coordinator in 2011. Uh, this isn't the offensive coordinator position that the torch and pitchfork set were hoping Jones would occupy, but I think this move should quiet the mob slightly. Looking at this, bringing Jones in, there's no way to view this other than positively, right? Yeah, I mean, it's another great football mind in the organization. 
like I put out a tweet earlier this week that, you know, we got Ed Hervey that he should be a GM in this league, you know, mm-hmm. his own GM somewhere. He shouldn't be an assistant GM. And then Kari Jones should still have a head coaching job in this league. So we're finding like creative ways to hire these guys, right? Like football consultant. Like, I don't know if it's a way to get around the uh, coaching cap, but he, he won't be on the field, obviously, like coaching. Um, but he'll be in the rooms, you know, suggesting stuff. And he has, you know, he was coaching uh, a division rival for a couple of years. So there's secrets to be told. Well, that's just it. And I usually think that like bringing guys in because they have inside information on another team is a little overblown. Like, do you remember, actually, this was probably during Kahari's time as, uh, I think it was in 2011, they brought in Terrence Jeffers Harris yeah. after he was released like late in the season by the Bombers and they were playing the Bombers in the East Finals. So they're like, they signed him even though they knew they couldn't play him. But it's like, oh, you might have some inside information. And they lost the game anyway. Like, I do think that that sometimes people take that like, oh, he'll know about this. And it's a little, I don't know. I think people take make it more than it, than it is. But with a coach who was recently a head coach for a division rival who had been game planning for, for his team's strengths and weaknesses, who had been game planning against the Ticats. So he's like, this, this is what we were focusing on. So kind of brings that fresh set of eyes to the team too, where it's like, this is what we thought was going to be something that we could exploit. Maybe that gives the Ticats a leg up. He was also like, I mean, he was game planning for every team in the league because they play everybody, but he was giving specific focus to the other teams in the East. And now that the Ticats are quote unquote back in the hunt, I guess, because they're in, tie, in a tie for second place with the Alouettes bringing in someone like Jones who can ha- who has like immediate cuz usually when a coach gets fired like this at midseason it's because they stink like the team is terrible the, like you know what i mean like, but they were the Alouettes are a missed field goal and a couple bounces away from being having three wins they they lost by 3 to Calgary they lost on the missed field goal against Toronto they could have easily won both those games and no one thinks Jones was fired because he's a bad coach he was fired because he wasn't Danny Machocha's guy, and everyone knew Danny Machocha wanted to co- like getting someone this caliber who everyone believes, like you said, should be a head coach in this league. Still, it's it's all thumbs up from here. Like this is this is nothing but like there's no negatives to this. Is what I'm saying. Like, no. what is the possible bad thing? Like, and and I mean this for the team and for Jones as well. Like, if Jones comes in here and the team turns it around, people will go, oh, well, maybe this was it was bringing in Kahari that did it. The team continues to stink. He's not going to take any heat for it. If if the team gets better, it's just like, well, they added another smart guy to the mix and look, they got better. If they keep losing, it's like, well, they were losing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's it's just positivity all the way around. Like, it's it's a move that you and I didn't think they were going to make. I mean, I didn't think they were going to hire him as the like people have been some people have been kind of throwing him. Oh, well, you said they wouldn't hire Jones. I said they wouldn't hire him as the offensive coordinator. I said he wasn't coming in to be the head coach, bringing him in in this like nebulous football operations consultant. I was like, well, I didn't even know that job existed. So, I mean, I'm glad he's here and I think it can only do good things for the team and for, for Jones as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jones is, he's like you said, he's not going to get hurt either way. Um, so I think just coming into a, a comfortable spot like Hamilton, a place where he's been a couple times in his career playing and coaching. It's uh it's a good fit right now. And, uh, if Hamilton continues, like he, obviously they, they they won their last game, but if they uh, you know the the season falls apart, then they they got some guys. You know what I mean? Like if they if if they're gonna replace some guys in the off season, there's you know Kari Jones there, 
Um, Ed Hervey's there. Um, there's people that are able to step up if everything falls apart. So I'm not saying that they were brought in for that. Um, and I'm talking about Kari Jones with the, for the OC position, um, not for the head coaching, because I don't think, you know, I just don't think that's going to happen with Steinhauer. I don't think it's going to happen with Condell because I think we're going to turn this season around. But um, it's always good to have, you know, as many people as you can um, giving ideas to the team. Well, yeah, like the more smart people you have in the room, the better it is for everybody, right? Like he's a, he's a, he won the MOP. Like he's one of like during his era, he was one of the best quarterbacks of, of, of like for a very short sp- period of time. But he was one of the best quarterbacks from like 2000 to 2004. Like he won MOP in, in 2001. He took the Bombers to a great cup. Like he's a he's a good quarterback. So now that's another quarterback like another mind that Dane Evans can bounce stuff off of. Cause it's like, you've seen, you've, you've been a quarterback in this league. You've coached a bunch in this league. You know, things that, like you've seen things that I haven't, like, what can you teach me here? Like it's, I, people are always like, cause I had people like, Oh, is this, is this, you know, setting up to replace Steinhauer? And it's like, why can't it just be, cause like, I personally think this is just going to be a one year thing, barring like Steinhauer saying like, I'm stepping down. I'm, I'm, or I'm moving on to another position, or I'm just going to go into the front office, like which I don't think is going to happen. He, the man is like barely in—I don't even think he is 50 yet, Orlando Steinhauer. Maybe he just turned 50, but I don't think he's even in his 50s yet. He's not going to—I don't think he's coming off the sideline anytime soon. I don't even think if this team bottomed out, they would—I mean, he would have to essentially fire himself. I don't see that happening, quite, quite honestly. This could just be a one-year thing where Kahari gets to come in here and— gets to keep, keep stay stay in the game and, and see what's going on. And whether he came to Hamilton or not, like his career didn't need any rehabilitation. Like I said earlier, he was, no one believes he was fired for poor performance. So if the fans don't think that people around the league don't think it either, he would have had his pick of jobs come the off season. Anyway, this just gives him another chance to, it won't hurt us. Like I said, it won't hurt him in any way. Like it won't hurt his resume. It can only enhance it. So he's going to have his pick of jobs anyway Maybe this is just a one-year thing, and it it works out for everybody. And if that's the case, then that's the case. Like, there's I don't think there's any harm in it. Yeah, and it's you know if the Ticats still lose, then there's there's no excuse for like you know football knowledge on this mm-hmm. on this staff. No. It'll be the blame we put on the players, and you know maybe some of the the coordinators. But yeah, there's uh there's certainly not a shortage of football experience on the staff. For sure, for sure. Speaking of players, one of the main stories, Mike, that came out of Hamilton's win on Saturday was Orlando Steinhauer's decision to bench quarterback Dane Evans following Evans' fumble late in the fourth quarter that set up Ottawa's go-ahead score. It was deja vu all over again from the Elks game. Uh, the team ended up playing backup Matthew Schultz for a few series, but he threw an end zone interception, and then the team went back to Evans for the final drive. They were rewarded with that because Evans drove him down the field, engineered the game-winning drive, three-yard touchdown pass to... From Evans to Tim White to win the game. Following the game, the benching was obviously a pretty big topic of conversation. Evans spoke to the media about it, basically saying he understood why it happened and if he would have done the exact same thing if he was in the coach's shoes. So he had there's no hard feelings there. This, however, has led to a little bit of discussion, not a lot, but I've seen some some discussions back and forth online about it. But whether Evans' attitude was the right one to have for for someone who's this highly paid face of the franchise quarterback. Some say that this shows that Evans has no fire or lacks the will to compete, while others say it shows more good character to admit things aren't going so well and kind of taking a step back maybe is, is something that's needed. I'm going to ask the question, although I think I know the answer to the question, but Mike, what side of this debate do you fall on? I think Dane was just being humble. 
you know, that's the kind of person Dane is, um, from what I can tell, from what I've seen, you know, he doesn't blame other people when things go wrong. Uh, he's a leader. Uh, I don't see it as in any way, you know, lacking uh, fiery competition in, in him or anything like that. I think that he wants to win as bad as any quarterback in this league. And, and uh, you know, I, I have no questions about that at all. So I sit on the other side of it. I think that it just shows good character. I'm with you. I think anyone thinking that shows a lack of a desire to compete is an idiot. Like, where do you, where does that come from? Like, he's been, like, maybe you you want a little more, like, fire. Like, he seems very low-key. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that's a bad thing, but I think sometimes you want that sort of fiery... Like, I think everyone looks at, like, a guy like Tom Brady and goes, look how he, like, he's he's yelling on the on the field and he's doing all this. And it's like, people see that and, like, that's what I want in my quarterback. But then, you know, other quarterbacks do it. All of a sudden, they're, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But I think the idea that he's, after the game going, I totally get it. Also, like, what else is he going to say? Is he going to go up there and go, like, I think the coach is a moron for, for doing it? Like, that doesn't that doesn't fit with what I know of Dane. He's, of a team guy. Like, he's very he's much a team guy. guy. Very yeah. much so. Because here's the thing, if he wasn't, that situation last year could have blown up in everyone's face. Like, there is no reason, like, we, we've seen him struggle this year, and I think, he, I, I know he has admitted publicly that the struggles have gotten to him, and he's had a hard time, and I think everyone who's watched the game can see that. But coming off what they did in 2019, what he did for the majority of that season, he could have come into camp last year and been like, either make me the starter or trade me, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there was no reason why he couldn't have been, like, why couldn't he have been the starting quarterback in Ottawa last year? You know what I mean? Like, he would have that Ottawa team was starting Matt Nichols and then Dominic Davis and then Kale. Like they were terrible. They could have used a, a guy like Dane Evans last year, but he didn't. He came in here. He was going to compete for the job. He lost at the beginning of the season. Then he took the job over. Like, I think if you, I think people see contrition, you know, when you're contrite, I think people take that as, as being weak in some way where it's just every player who plays wants to be a starter, but sometimes you know your role. And I think, the way I framed the question to you, I framed it in that way for a reason, because I think it does show some great character to be able to go, because these guys are alpha, alpha males, right? Like these guys are, he's been a starter every, t- everywhere he's gone. He's, he wasn't a backup in college. He wasn't a backup on his high school team. Like he's been a starter, but he's had to work. Like he's not like he went to Oklahoma or something. He went to Tulsa, but he was basically, he's never really had sort of, uh, had to take a, a back seat. He's always been the best guy because he's been the quarterback and he's been the starting quarterback dating back to probably when he started playing football when he was seven years old i think it shows well of him that he's like i'm not going to lose my mind over this you're taking me out and for him to be taken out because all the people i saw a lot of comments that were like oh you have to let him play through this well they took him out for a couple of series he went back in and he engineered the game-winning drive so clearly it didn't really do anything to his psyche being pulled it i'm not i'm not saying it necessarily helped like, that's like, oh, he got pulled, and that's why he came. I'm not saying that, but it clearly didn't do – it didn't have any it, – it, uh, it didn't have any adverse effects because he went out there and drove him 55 yards for the game-winning touchdown. So, I mean, yeah. th- this so idea – it's like – They're down as well. It's like there's a lot hmm. of pressure. If he if he – that doesn't – if he doesn't complete that pass, I mean, the pressure mounts, and it just gets mm-hmm. worse and worse. He fought through adversity there. You know, it was a tough play to make. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I just don't think that. I think he has all the confidence in the world. I just think he's a humble dude. I think he's a good dude. That's all. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. He doesn't seem he doesn't come off as as too. Like, I'm sure he's confident in his abilities, but he doesn't come off he doesn't come off as cocky. And I think no. some people see that. Some people want a guy like Bo who shows extreme confidence bordering on cockiness. Some people like that, and that's perfectly fine. But I think wanting every player to fit kind of that same mold, every guy's not the same. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't the same in everyday life. Why should every football player be cut from the same cloth, too? It doesn't make doesn't make any sense. People are different. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with him that I don't think he should have been pulled. But, you know, you can't argue with it, right? Like like, like you said, he, uh, he came back on the field and uh, – did a great, uh, had a great drive and, and won this team the game. So hopefully we don't need to pull him at all. You know, if they want to do those little packages with Schiltz, you know, that's fine. I'm not a huge fan of that kind of stuff, but if they, if it works, then, then I'm more than happy to, you know, watch it and enjoy it. But I would like to say that, you know, going forward, Dane will be the guy and there won't be any questions. All right, moving on to CFL news, buddy. We have got to talk about a couple of big things, and it all kind of comes out of Saturday's Touchdown Atlantic game that took place at Acadia Acadia University in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. First thing we're going to talk about is, I don't know any any better way to put it, the numbskullery that we're seeing, continually seeing from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Prior to the game, I'm sure you saw the video that surfaced that showed Duke Williams, receiver for the Riders, throwing a helmet at Argo's defensive back, Jack Richardson. Later in the game, there was a spat between those two again where Richardson smacked Williams. After the game, Ryan Dinwiddie, head coach of the Argos, said both instances occurred because Duke Richardson or Duke Williams spit on Shaq Richardson. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but last year, West Semi between the Riders and Calgary Stampeders, Sean Lemon after the game accused Williams of spitting on him in the first half. I believe it was the first half. And that caused sort of a scrum that saw Lemon get ejected from the game. So there's there's that. There's also all the hit, quote-unquote. I, I hesitate to even call it a hit. We'll say the sack. That was a low sack by Sean Oakman on Cody Fajardo that tweaked Fajardo's injured knee. There was another video, I don't know if you've seen it, of a DeVaris Daniels catch. He tweeted it himself. This is how I saw it, uh, saying something about, like, I need to practice my wrestling moves. And if you watch the video that accompanies the tweet, he catches a pass. He's tackled in the middle of the field. And as he's getting up, Derek Moncrief has him in some like kind of like an ankle lock type thing for a good two or three seconds after the play is already over. Obviously, the spotlight was on the riders after what happened a week ago with Garrett Marino. So you would have thought that they would have been kind of on their best behavior, especially with Saturday's matchup being such a marquee one. But clearly they were not making matters worse. I think Craig Dickinson, head coach of Saskatchewan, came out and said he doesn't expect Williams to be suspended for the helmet swinging incident. And I think that's absolutely ludicrous. If you don't recall, back in 2019, Vernon Adams Jr. was suspended a game when he, in a game, took a swing with a helmet at the face of Bombers linebacker Adam Big Hill. And one of the things that I brought up when this happened is Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett was indefinitely suspended by the NFL after he swung a helmet in a game at Mason Rudolph, who's the quarterback at the time for the Pittsburgh Steelers, in 2019. Miles Garrett would miss the remainder of that season, which ended up being a total of six games and was reinstated by the league for the following year. So Mike, what do you make of all this nonsense going on in Ryderville and how much, if any blame, do you place the feet of Craig Dickinson for all this? Well, Craig Dickinson is, is the guy, right? He's the head coach. Um, what do I think about all the nonsense? Um, obviously he's lost control of his team. Either that or he's trying to get his team to 
play dirty, but I don't I don't really see Craig Dickinson as that kind of coach because he just seems like such a Ned Flanders type dude. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's like such a you know a cover up or something. But but I just think that it's been it's been ugly in Saskatchewan this year. I mean, I, I would imagine they're the most penalized team in the league by far. Um, by far, and yeah. Oh, it's ugly incident after ugly incident. And Duke Williams, like, you you know, one time when when Sean Lemon says, you know, he spit on me, you know, you have some questions, right? Like, we don't know if it actually happened and all that stuff. But this is the, the second time he's been accused of this kind of crap. And it's just a disgusting act. Um, so, you know, if you're accused more than once, more than likely, you know, you're a spitter. You know, you're, you're trying to antagonize the other team, but that's just not the way to do it. That's just... That's just gross and disgusting. Will you, will there be Craig Dickinson have a media conference and be like, well, he he can't be a spitter. He all his friends are swallowers, and he's he's <laughs> friends like his girlfriend's a swallower. You know what I mean? Like, here's yeah. here's the thing though. And, well, and to, further to the spitting thing, the writers had to cancel practice on Tuesday because a bunch of people got COVID. Yeah. So yeah. what if Duke Williams is one of those people? And he's a, I'm not saying he is. I, we don't know who it is, but. He's out here spitting on people. What's one of the first things they taught? They told it when COVID was first thing: wash your hands, wear masks, stay away from people, and don't spit. And he's out here hawking loogies on people. Once, once, I, and there was maybe it's it's because it was Sean Lemon, and there's always he people tend to not be, like like him or maybe believe him for some reason. But when an incident happens a second time, and it's it, it to me, it's there's something there. There's something there. The idea that 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 he won't be suspended, he shouldn't have been even playing in that game. How he wasn't ejected prior to that game is beyond me. Because if you eject him from that, then all the other stuff with him, that, like there, there's no incident on the field with Richardson. Richardson's not smacking on, and Williams isn't allegedly spitting on him a second time. Like none of that stuff happened. So the fact that he even was allowed to play on Saturday to me was was is I like I, I think Matthew Schnetti was like, oh it. It didn't escalate. It ended quickly, so no one thought that it deserved an ejection. It's like, what are you talking about? I hate to do this, but when I was at practice today and I was talking to Steve Milton, and we were talking about this, and one of the first things we were like, what if this was Simone Lawrence? What what if Simone, What if there's video of Simone Lawrence swinging a helmet at somebody pregame? Do you think he's playing in that game? No, That's not definitely. a rhetorical question. Do you think he's playing in that game? Absolutely not, right? Mm-hmm. No, there's no way in hell. There's no way. No chance. But Duke Williams can swing, and not swing. He threw the helmet, at, and and he yeah. threw Shaq Richardson's own helmet at him. Why are you touching his? Like, why do you have his helmet? And I know there's people like, well, the helmet was on the rider side of the field. Grow up, grow up. It's a it's a goddamn helmet, and you're you're telling me that they could escalate. Like, it's it's such nonsense. Like, and the idea that he wouldn't be suspended for this, and the reason I asked if this is all on Craig Dickinson is because he's enabling this stuff. Look at the things he said in, in the in the wake of the Garrett Marino situation, and now you have the stuff like him and Fajardo both came out and said, I don't think Duke would do that. It's like, dude, we now have two instances, separate instances, they, two completely different teams saying that this guy's doing this. They're not out to get him. He He's a knucklehead. Like, he's a great player, but he seems like he's a bloody idiot. Yeah, and to throw your helmet, like, that's just, like, the cardinal sin in football, right? You can't Danger. use your yeah, you can't use your helmet as a weapon. I mean, and the the way that he threw it, threw it in the violent manner he threw it, he was trying to hurt the guy. It's yeah. it's like in hockey, it's like in hockey if you swing your stick at someone's guy's someone's head, like that's the cardinal sin. Like you just can't be doing that stuff. 
And I don't care if the officials weren't on the field or something like that. You you get him you get him out of that game. He's not playing. Like I'm sorry. You can't be throwing helmets at people's heads. It's just it's way past the line. And you know, it, like you said, Duke Williams is a is a great player, but he seems like a, a an awful person. He's a good football player, but he seems to be missing a couple brain cells up up top. Um, like to be to be doing stuff like this is just. And did you did, did you watch the the TD Atlantic game? I'm guessing you did. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear Glenn Suter like make jokes about this? Yeah, yeah. What are you I, doing? I, I don't know. Again, That's... if that was Simone Lawrence who did that, Suter would be on the field with the torch and pitchfork himself. Like he cracked like, oh, that's just pregame intensity. That's not acceptable. Like this, this is, and here's the thing. I understand people are like hits in games and I'm very, I think maybe I'm more forgiving on sort quote unquote dirty plays in football games because the game is so fast and things happen so fast. Uh, you know, a, if a, if a guy goes to, to, to go for a, a hit on a guy and the quarterback slides a little too late, I think it looks dirtier than it is. in so in those types of instances, I think I'm a little more forgiving for stuff like that. Because back in the day, those things we we did brush those things off. But I'm glad that we don't now, and that's and I understand that. But I think I'm a little more forgiving on things that happen in game. No one's ever been allowed to swing a helmet at another player, like you like you said. That's one of the cardinal sins of the sport. And the idea that that one of the commentators for the league's broadcasting partner would chuckle and make jokes about it, I think is not only disgusting. It it shows a lack of wherewithal as to where we are as a society. Like. In what world would you think that this is supposed to be funny and be to me be made light of? If he was two inches closer to, to his, he could have broke his face. And mm. Are we laughing then? Like, I know a lot of people don't like Suter, especially when he calls Riders games because he thinks he's got a bias. I'm not sure if he does. I know he played there, and I'm sure there's still a part of him. I I think he's been a fine color commentator. I think he's a little long in the tooth now. I think there's time for some new blood. But stuff like this does not make him look very good, at, at least at least in my eyes. No, it doesn't at all. It's uh, like I'm with you. I've never really noticed the bias when he's calling Riders games. I think he tries to like lean the other way. Well, not lean the other way, but go go straight down the middle as much as he can, right? Because you know that there's a affinity towards that franchise because he played there. But yeah, it's uh, you shouldn't be joking about that kind of stuff. Like you said, like what happens if he actually like breaks his nose or, you know, worse, it does damage to his face. It's just, it's just not something to be joking about at all. And I know that he was just, I don't know what he was trying to do. Actually, it's just a very stupid comment. Yeah. Like it's, to me, it's not something that should be made light of because we're, we were talking about potentially serious, like, and I know football in real life, not the same thing. Sports in real life, not the same thing. If that happens, if that happened in the parking lot, that's assault, brother. Like, you can't be doing this. Like, even I don't care that rules are different in sports. That's that. That's not part of the game. You know what I mean? Like, guys getting hurt in in while playing the game, dirty hits, stuff like that. That's not to be expected, but that's can be accepted. I think is the best way to put it. Like, you play you play a game. It's an interesting hmm? question. Could it was Shaq Richardson, right? Was that the player? Yep. Could he press charges against him? Because I, like well, it was hours before the game, it's not nothing to do with football. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. Attempted assault? I could see. Like, I think you could make a case for it. I mean, if they caught it on camera. Yeah. Like it's not as if there's not evidence of I it. Think will, I mean, didn't, like 
No, no, I would. I don't think he will. But wasn't didn't that happen? Wasn't Marty McSorley that hit? Was it Donald Brashear in the mm-hmm. head with a stick all those years ago? Didn't that yeah. didn't or wait, was Todd Bertuzzi hit somebody? I, I, mean, yeah, I, I remember there was a hit. A court. I play, I think I think that Bertuzzi one went to court. I think it did. So it's like there's clearly precedent for yeah. these types of, and that was and those were during games. And that's the thing. Like if he drilled him in the face and knocks him out, you know, causes brain damage or something, that that's a serious. That would be assault. Like no question about it. Yeah. He would be arrested right now. So yeah. he has to. He. I think um, something has to be done. Like he has to go to anger management or some kind of, you know, rehabilitation because he he just seems to be out of control. Yeah, well, we're recording this late Tuesday night, so I will probably find out on Wednesday if there's any sort of discipline. If if he's not suspended at least a game, like what are, what are we even doing here? But before we move on to the other part of TDL, I just want to talk to you about the the Oakman sack. Obviously, this has been something that people have been kind of freaking out about, especially in the old rectangle province. There, a lot of Ryder fans are comparing it to Marino's hit on Mazzoli from a week ago. What say you? Where, where do you land on that? Do you think this was a dirty play? Do you think there should have been, a, like, there was no roughing the passer call? Do you think this should have been flagged? Do you think there should be a suspension, a fine? Was it, was to you, the the sack, fair or foul? I think it was fair. If if you're going strictly by the rule, you can't hit the guy um, below, uh, below the knees, right? So, I mean, technically, I guess it should have been a penalty, but, like, I think he was just like crawling over. I don't think I, I haven't looked at the play a million times like some people have, but I didn't see any kind of like twisting or or trying to hurt for Jardo. So to me, it wasn't a, a dirty play. So roughing the passer, I've got the CFL rule book up here. I am going to go through and find the actual flag, what it constitutes. Uh, but before I get there, I'm with you. I don't think that it was because here's the thing. I think the rule says I wish I could find it. It'd be a lot easier. Oh, I think I know the word that comes up. Uh, there we go. No, that's not. anyway. I think it's something to do with like a forceful hit. I can't find this damn rule books too long. I should have done this before the show. Uh, it's a, like a forceful hit. And this wasn't a forceful hit. He was pancaked to the ground and he was crawling and he grabs a hold of his ankle and Fajardo tried to twist himself out of it, and that's when he gets hurt. And I think people are looking at it as the quarterback got hurt, and therefore it should have been a penalty. I and compare for okay, first off the top, I should have said this first. Comparing it to the Marino hit is nonsense. They're not the same thing. Not even close to the same thing. But to think about it, like to me, and we here are loath to back up the Argos on anything. They're our most hated rival. I didn't see anything bad here. He grabs his, he's on the ground, like crawling towards the quarterback, trying to make a play, grabs his ankle. Fajardo tries to twist out of it. That's when Fajardo gets hurt. He crumples down to the ground. He's hobbling around. He's already has a bum knee. I think this is being made way. I think people want to compare it because um, everyone came after Garrett Marino and no one's going after Sean Oakman. I don't think the two things are comparable at all. And I just want to make something clear. I didn't like the hit from Marino on Mazzoli. Had it just been the hit from last week, I don't think this gets talked about as much as it is. It's the hit, the theatrics mm-hmm. afterwards, and then mm-hmm. obviously the racial stuff that came up out in the in the aftermath of that. Yeah. I think you take all that into like my thing with like I, I said earlier, like rough play on the field, I can almost kind of accept it happens. I don't you don't might not have to like it, but that's going to happen. 
if he would have just hit him, it's a 15 yard penalty. We move on. Even if Mazzoli gets hurt, it's still like, man, that's that's pretty crappy. But that's these are the games they they play a rough game. I don't think this I don't think this gets blown up to where it does if not for the the flexing and the preening and the the cursing at Mazzoli and then the gesturing to the crowd and then obviously in the aftermath of that we hear about the racial stuff. Like I think like I think everyone because I'm sure you've seen the same stuff with Ryder fans online where they're like we don't want to talk about this anymore. I mean, we should never not talk about racism. I think that's something that we needs to be something that we discuss at all times. Racist crap should not be allowed to just, you don't just brush that under the rug. The hit, like I said, if it was just a hit, I think we move past this. We say, yeah, and honestly, if it's just a hit, I don't think he gets, he maybe gets a one game suspension, mm. but I don't think he gets this, this whole thing. But I think the, what most people are focusing on, at least I can say for myself, I'm not focusing on the hit that he laid. I'm focusing on the, the racist crap that he spewed at Mazzoli. That's people would say, well, it's a legend. It's not a legend anymore. He admitted that he said it. The yeah. hits to me and, and the two hits, like the open hit, this hit, they're they're not the same. They're just not the same. It's not the same thing. It's apples to grenades, essentially. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like with you good good example with the grenades, because you know, Marino launched himself like like a weapon at yeah. Mazzoli. There was intent there. Uh uh, the, the Argonaut play, I mean, he's just trying to crawl to the quarterback. It was like a little whimper sack. It wasn't even a sack, really. He barely even fell to the ground. So, like, I understand why they want to compare it to the Marino hit so badly. They want it to be the same thing so badly. But it's not even close. Because they want the heat off them. Yeah, exactly. They, they've been taking heat for a week, and they're sick of it. And to them, I say, yeah, give it three years. Put yeah, yourself exactly. in tight cap shoes who have been dealing with this for three years. years. Yep. And for, you know, not nearly as much crap as Marino. I mean, and a not, and we talked about this, you know, the, the amount of games that Marino's pl- played compared to Simone is a fraction. And the amount of suspensions and fines and all that is, you know, through the roof. So you just can't compare the players. I know that they're, you know, Simone's the number one hated guy in all the CFL. Well, he was there for a while, but. Uh, he's still up there, and then all the teams are going to still hate him. So, well, but we know better. Here's the here's the thing, though, and this is the difference between the two. And this is then we'll move on from this. I have I I think every single okay, I won't say every single. I think most fans from most teams would want Simone Lawrence on their team. I know for a fact that there are fans from teams who would be disgusted if if Garrett Marino was cut and he came to their team. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's the difference. Because Simone's not spewing racist garbage and yeah. you know flexing after hurting someone. So yeah, I agree. Okay, so the other thing that came out of the TD Atlantic festivities, Mike, was more talk of expansion. I know, I know, I know. Calm down. Don't don't mm-hmm. get fired up yet. I know I said we wouldn't talk about this again until something actually concrete happened, but I think we need to make an exception when some of the major players involved in this make public statements, and that happened. During this last weekend, Halifax Mayor Mike Savage said in an interview with our friend Justin Dunk that there is, quote unquote, no political appetite to build a CFL sized stadium with public money in the city. And that he told CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi that, and this is a direct quote, it's kind of a funny one. Unless you're going to play in the parking lot of Micmac Mall, it, meaning expansion to Halifax, is not going to happen anytime soon. We also had. Schooner Sports and Entertainment founding partner Gary Drummond say his group was not participating in the TD Atlantic events. 
despite being advertised for many of them as a co-host. His reason was that the group's non-participation was simple. Expansion to the region is not imminent, and since they do not have things firmly in place, making any sort of public statement would have been premature. This all comes on the heels of Ambrosi himself saying that the league is still fully committed to Atlantic expansion, and even in April saying that on a scale of 1 to 10, that the likelihood for expansion was at an 11. So listening to all this, it seems like expansion, while maybe something the league wants, is far away from happening as it is maybe maybe as far away from happening as it has ever been, don't you think? Unfortunately, yes. Halifax has been so close for so many years, so many times. And uh, you know, I think they were the closest they've been uh, before COVID hit and then they just wiped everything out. And uh, you know, I've said that they're, you know, the CFL is going to be a nine-team league, and and that's all it's going to be. Uh, there's no room for expand. Like cities don't want the CFL. Like Quebec cities talked about a lot. They don't want them. The CFL, uh, Halifax, they don't want the CFL. I hear this garbage, and I, I've been hearing this a lot lately. That the East Coast has such an appetite for CFL football. No, they they they, they don't. They don't they like don't. it. They don't want to watch it. You know, they don't want to pay for a stadium to. Um, you know, and I think that it would work if the, magically a stadium was there and the CFL team was there. I think people would show up and I think it would be a success, but that's, it's just not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. The, the political will isn't there. I don't think it ever really was there. And, and they, you think they, they, they did, they did pre COVID, they did vote to give $20 million to help build a stadium. They did. They did. did that, and I think that that I honestly believe that there would be a team in Halifax if not for COVID. I do. I actually do think that. I think we would have gotten a, an expansion team, but I think COVID screwed so many things up that I think that that's the main reason why this all got pushed back. That's just my opinion, though, because I think that there was so much forward momentum, and I agree with you that there's not appetite there. How much of an appetite was there for soccer? But uh, and I know you're not a big soccer fan, but they have a soccer team, the the HFX Wanderers who sell out a 7,000-seat stadium. And I know 7,000 is not 25,000, but they, they have a great atmosphere for their games, and they kind of built that up out of... Now, soccer's different than football. I understand that as well, but they kind of built that that from the ground up. I think the CFL could be successful there. I think COVID is the main reason why there's not already, you know, shovels in ground to build a stadium. Mm. But I'm with you. I think that this is... I don't want to hear the commissioner talk about expansion. Like, I don't want anyone to ask him about expansion, and I don't want to hear about expansion until – because, like, in the in the interview that, that Drummond – like, I think the mayor of Halifax is like, I barely talked to the commissioner since I think COVID happened. And the Schooner Sports and Entertainment Group's like, we haven't even talked to council since in, like, a year and a half. So it's like, the commissioner come out and be like, we're on an 11 on a 10 – on a scale of 10. It's like, you're – to me, that this it's you're setting yourself up to look like a goof. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that you're excited, and I think one of them, I can't, I don't, I think it was Mayor Savage who said your reach should always exceed your grasp, and I get that as well. Just shut up about it. If it's not going to happen, that's okay. Like, work behind closed doors to make this happen, and then come out with your big statements. Doing it this way, mm-hmm. I think, just makes them look foolish. Yeah, I, I mean, he basically said it's over a hundred percent. That it's going to happen yeah. 11, 10, right? And then, uh, you know, a couple months later, the people that are supposed to be investing in this team, the ownership group of this team, are saying oh, it's like, not going to happen. The saying it's not yeah. going to happen. It's just, it's a bad look for him. But, you know, he's 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 had a lot of bad looks over the years, hasn't he? He just, uh, he yeah. doesn't seem, he just doesn't, 
I don't know, man, he just doesn't get it. Or, or he just, he just puts his foot in his mouth way too often in public. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, I watched touchdown Atlantic. I thought it was a beautiful sight. Um, I think that a team in Halifax or on the East coast somewhere would be a dream come true, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I'm, I was convinced it like, as I said, I thought it would be, if not for COVID, I think they would have one. Now, it just seems cursed. Like it's just like not going to happen. It seems cursed. That's a great, that's a, that's a fabulous way of putting it. It just seems like whenever they get close, Something yep. happens to screw it all up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll see one. I just turned 40 this year. I don't know if we'll see a team out there before my 50th birthday. No, you know and I mean? it's, like, it's it's funny because, you know, like you mentioned the soccer team. They could pair up and have, you know, the soccer team could have mm-hmm. a nice stadium with the CFL team. Even with a mm-hmm. successful soccer franchise, they're not interested. I mean, it's just yeah. the way these coasts, they're like, they're living in the 1950s, man. It's like PEI just got canned pop on the island like <laughs> <laughs> Ten years ago, I mean, it was illegal to have can pop on the island, so, like up to like 2010 or something. So like, they just live in the past. They're never gonna, you know, be a front runner in this country. They're just, uh, they're basically, you know, how everyone calls the CFL bush league. That's what the East Coast is in Canada, bush league, and uh, you know, never gonna catch up to the times. And just so people from the East Coast that do listen to the show don't jump on, Mike lived in P. Would you live there for? Five six years something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike, my my brother lives out there right now, so he lives in PEI too. I love it. Yes, you I love are. It, I love it, but you know. Yeah, he just, does too. He's it's a great lifestyle if you if you like yeah. a a slow pace, nothing to do mm-hmm. kind of kind of town. But you're right. It's and here's the thing. So I I will push back on one thing that the mayor the mayor's like we can't just build a CFL stadium for nine to twelve games a year, and I agree with that. But if you look at what happened in Hamilton, and I'm not saying the government should put up $150 million to build a stadium. I I think that the plan was for a lot of private money to go into building a stadium there, which I think any region would be like, yeah, we'll give you $20 million to help with this, and you'll pay us back in rent and taxes and all that other mm-hmm. sort of stuff. I, I don't have a problem with that. I think more billionaire owners should be paying for their own damn stadiums and not financing them with government money. But Hamilton having a new stadium has gotten them, they've had three or four sold-out Arkells concerts. They've hosted the Grey Cup, obviously, and will be hosting it again. They had a Canada soccer game. They've hosted some Canadian women's soccer games. They got a soccer team. Like, I think the, I think looking at a potential, let's say, 24,000-seat stadium as just something for the CFL, I think that that is, is narrow-sighted. I think yeah. if, you're, if that's what you're looking at, I think you're... Because I think having a state-of-the-art facility, which... If you look at Tim Hortons Field, you can make a pretty darn good like they hosted a, a World Cup qualifying match in, in Hamilton this this year. If, mm-hmm. if Iverwind Stadium was still that never would have happened. So no. building something like this can get you bigger events. They had the Heritage Classic. The Leafs and the Sabres played a game here. Like that doesn't happen if it's still Iverwind Stadium. So there are other events that you can attract. And I and I believe the area that Halifax would want us that they were to build stadium would be in the middle of downtown, not in the middle of a goddamn residential area where Tim Hortons Field is. So you could probably even do more. I think that's the one thing that the decision makers in Halifax, and that maybe this goes back to the thing you were talking about, where they're they're viewed in the past. They're not forward thinking enough to think. Yes, it'll be it will be housing this football team and this soccer team. But this will also be able to attract other sort of bigger events. I think that's where they're looking at this and not, they're not seeing the bigger picture. 
Right. And like I said, you could pair with the soccer team, get more events in there. Like they could get big concerts. Um, I'm sure, you know, Halifax, it, Halifax is a decent sized city, but, uh, you know, I'm sure they could get higher, um, you know, uh, better entertainment acts out there if they had a high class facility. Um, so, yeah, it is very small minded of him just to think that, oh, it'll just be for CFL, you know, nine games a year. That's just that's not how it works. That's not how the stadiums work in the CFL. Like, I mean, I'm right by Commonwealth. They had Garth Brooks there for a couple of nights, like 50, 60,000 people were there. Like they have big concerts, you know, they, they, they hosted, um, World Cup qualifiers too last year, late last year, they had two games there. Yeah. Canada exactly. played Mexico World Cup qualifying game. Like that was a big deal. They had like 50,000 like people for two games. It was awesome. Yeah. And like, when was it? It wasn't in November. It was cold though. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was November. Yeah. They, so the, the game played outdoors like the 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 one in Hamilton was in friggin' January, and yeah. it was and it was a sold out crowd and would have been at, at a capacity crowd if not for COVID restrictions, and the ones at Edmonton sold like forty thousand tickets for each game, yeah. like that's a big revenue generator for the city. You could probably get an NHL outdoor game there. I mean, the the there's lots of possibilities with the stadium. But they just look at it like, oh, it's just the CFL nine games, blah blah blah. There's no, there's no appetite for like any forward thinking. Um, no, which like is the, unfortunate. The views they showed of the of the what was it, the Bay of Fundy? I think it was from the stadium on Saturday. It's like, are you? What better advertisement would there be for tourism to your region? Then, exactly. like, those helicopter shots of, like, look at how friggin' beautiful this area. Because it's kind of – people don't look at Atlantic Canada like and the Maritimes is, like, a place to go. But I, I, you obviously lived out there. I went out there uh, over a decade ago now. It's gorgeous. It's – like, it's got, it's got a lot of, like, nice little – like, if you like kind of small-town Canadiana – yes, they have Halifax – you know, I went to Moncton, obviously, went to Charlottetown and PEI. Like, those are the quote-unquote big cities. But they have, like, just this – there's a charm. to Like, part of that, that like, they're in the past thing is, like, there's a charm to it a little bit. But right. at the same time, like, what better – and, like, yeah, Wolfville's an hour away from Halifax. But you show those shots of the water, and people are going to go, oh, I want to go there for – like, if they had a team, I think every fan base would make that that first year there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see my team play in Halifax. And again, that's not going to be, you know, it's not going to pour in the tourist dollars or, or be the like, oh, well, we're going to have other fans from other teams come here to watch games. That's going to pay for the stadium itself. But the and, and again, this is the small minded thinking. You see this stuff and you go, you don't think the CFL would would find a way to get a, a Grey Cup in Halifax immediately. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Get one out there like they would have one. Like we waited how many years to get one in Hamilton after we built the new stadium? They'd have one in Halifax within two years. Like they could be- sweeten the pot. They could sweeten the pot. Like like yeah, like you just said, you could have a couple Grey Cups and you know in the first couple years that they could exist. I'm sure no one would complain. Like I know no. that people complain. There would be some, but you know the overwhelming majority would be happy that Halifax is having. Uh, that would be such a great time to go to Halifax for a Grey Cup. If they had the team, I think the region would absolutely support it i think it would be sold out like all the time but you know they just have to build the damn stadium and that's just not going to happen yeah and that's that's the problem because like anything until there's a stadium there where this is all pipe dream so i hope 
I mean, I think we had a pretty good discussion about it. And I think you can, like, I don't think there's a CFL fan, like, even though, and I think I've said this when we ever, we've talked about expansion in the seven years we've been doing this. And we've talked about expansion a lot because it comes up at least two or three times a year. You, you're, even though you're like negative towards this, you're not negative towards the idea of it. You want a team out there just as much as anybody else. Absolutely. The realities of it are that maybe we should pump the brakes and stop really talking about it because it's not going to happen. Right, and I would love nothing more to go visit my mother and be able to go watch a CFL game in the, you know, relatively close region, the PEI. I mean, it's like five-hour drive or something like that, but I would, lo- I would love that. I would love that. I would, I would love for the CFL to be a coast-to-coast league. It's just, it's, it's, it's just too bad that um, we're not like basketball or hockey where we can just, you know, expand at will because there's so many arenas out there. It's, it's just not like that in Canada. Yeah, there's only there's only a, I mean, there's only nine stadiums in this country that can house yep. an actual professional football team. Unfortunately, one of those stadiums just doesn't happen to be. They have a lot of nice little university stadiums because of of the university football teams out there, but unfortunately, you can't play a home game in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, to ten thousand people nine times a year and expect to make money. That's just just take it not, to Moncton, you know. I mean like, that well. Uh, the plan was to plan like the plan was to start. They were supposed to, they were supposed to be playing last season was supposed to be their first year. And they were going to play in Moncton for a few years while they built a stadium in Halifax. And I mean, but the thing is like, I'm sure Moncton doesn't have a ton of money either. Right. To put into a stadium. No, like no. I'm sure Halifax has probably, or Nova Scotia rather has more money than, uh, than Moncton would or New Brunswick. So I don't know, I, yeah, but I would support it. And in, in, if it was in Moncton too, I think that would be great as well. Yeah. I mean, I had a great time when I went there for TD Atlantic in 2011. Yeah, 2011. The year I graduated university. So, yeah, 2011. So, I mean, we're, we're all for it. We just – it's just – it's so disheartening talking about it because we know it's it's just all in our imagination. And I mm-hmm. don't think – I hope I hope we're wrong. Like, I hope we're like, wrong, but I don't think it'll ever be anything other than that. No. Yeah, I hope we're wrong too. And it's just – it's unfortunate that Quebec City just doesn't seem to have any interest in it either. Because I think that, you know, if you had a Quebec City team and Montreal, I think that would be a great, like, you go, like, go back to yeah. the hockey days and already yeah, in the Canadians. Yeah, go back to the like Canadians, yeah. Yeah, so that would be a fun thing as well, but, you know, I guess. But then you get a Quebec City team and a Halifax team, now you're at 11, you got to get another team in the West. Right. Where are we going there? That's the, that's, that's the problem. The you see, and that's the big problem, because I know there's a lot of people who are like, the CFL needs to expand, and it's easy to do that in soccer. Like, you can have a soccer team in Saskatoon and, and Regina, yeah. I don't think putting a football team in Saskatoon, like the riders are the province's team. Yeah, and there's only, a, there's only so many, like I'm sure it would work because they are pretty football. I mean, that would be a great experiment to see how football, cra- are they football crazed or are they riders crazed? There's a difference. Like people talk about the great hockey culture in Toronto. They're not hockey fans or leaf fans. It's a different thing. If it, cause there's always talk about expanding an inch. We'll put a second team in Toronto. And I was always like, it's never going to work. No, no Leaf fan is going to be like, I'm going to go watch the team in Markham. They're not going to care. They'll go there for the Leaf games, but they won't care. Like, you're not going to convert any hockey fans to be this new hockey team's fan in a city that already has a well-established team. I think it's the same thing in Saskatchewan. I don't think a team in Saskatoon would do all that well. And then, of course, there's where else in the West. Like, once you get west of Ontario... Like people say, oh, you could put a team in London. I don't know if I don't think that would work, but I mean, or put a team in Windsor. Again, don't think it would work. But again, these are ideas. But the problem is, all the places that you could expand to are in the East. 
So would you have like a seven team East and a five team West? Like you can't have like, you know what I mean? Like you have to find a West team. There's nowhere else in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, or BC to put a team. There just isn't. You're not going to put another team in like they have a team in Vancouver. You're not going to put a team in like Vancouver or, Col- or Victoria or Kelowna. They barely support the Lions as is. Where else are you going to throw a team? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it would be nice to have, you know, 12, 14 teams, but it's just not realistic. I mean, the no, only way you're going to make that happen is if you expand to the States and we don't want to go into that, open that, you know, jar no, of worms. So. No, we're not opening that can of worms at all. So like to me, if they ever got to 10, and I really hope sometime they do, even if it's after I'm gone, I think that's, you, you can stop there. I, I yep. don't like, it's, e- it's either Quebec, like let's say Quebec City does get an appetite for the CFL. It's either Quebec City or the Atlantic provinces. It's, you mm-hmm. can't have, you're, it's one or the other, not both. And that's not, that's not for, uh, well, you can't have both. Like the, you, if it could work, then it would work. But you'd, the, the whole thing with wanting a 10th team is you don't want these unbalanced divisions. You don't want this, the bye weeks every week. Going from nine to eleven would just it create the same problem just with more teams. So it's like not, you know what I mean? Like at some point, I think ten is the is the number. That's it. And I did this a while, like years ago. I looked at like population density and like, okay, if the CFL has nine teams for a population of this, if they got to ten to be a population of this, what's the equivalent of like other leagues? And I think I got it to the NFL. I think it was like the CFL at ten teams would be if the NFL had like seventy teams based on like population, like. Per number of people per team like it was like you know 35 million people in canada if we had 10 teams 3.5 million okay 3.5 million people per team in the nfl would be how much on a population of you know 300 you know what i mean like it's like oh there's 85 teams now in the nfl they're never going to get to that number you know what i mean like we're lucky enough that we have nine 10 would be great anything above that i think you're you're trying you're you're pushing too hard get try to get to 10 if we can That'd be awesome. If it never happens, so be it. If it does, but that I think that's where you got to cap it. I think anything more, and you're you're kind of almost asking for trouble. Yeah, I think that the magic number is ten for the CFL, and <laughs> I hope it happens someday. Uh, I certainly hope we don't drop down to eight again. Um, that would be terrible. I, we don't. I don't lose. think. I honestly don't think that'll happen. I know that you're not as high on the Argos long-term prospects as I am. I don't think the league would ever let the Argos fold. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I, the funny thing was when I said that I wasn't even thinking about Toronto. I was thinking about Ottawa. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't. I think. I don't, I don't think. I don't think no, I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, but yeah, the expansion thing. I think I'm ready to talk about some Tiger Cat football, Josh. Okay. Okay. I know we spend a lot of time talking about non-Tiger Cat stuff. Let's talk about this upcoming week's game. The Tiger Cats got their first win out of the way, and now will make their annual trek across the country to play the BC Lions in Vancouver on Thursday night. Before we get into the game, can I just say how incredibly stupid it is that we have a 10 p.m. Eastern time Thursday night game, especially when it features an Eastern team and maybe the most bankable Eastern team when it comes to television ratings? Like, I, I'm not saying this just because we we cheer for the Ticats, talk about Ticats, all that sort of stuff. The Ticats are probably the most... They're they're the riders of the East, for lack of a better description. Like they have the most fervent fan base, the most rabid fan base, the most active fan base, probably the largest fan base. You're putting them on on a Thursday night at 10 p.m. There's a double header on Thursday. Like why? Mm-hmm. And why? Like if you want to do a BC game on a Thursday night, like I don't think BC should host Thursday night. I mean, I think Thursday night should be abolished altogether. <clears throat> 
But I really don't think BC should be hosting a Thursday night game. But if you had to have them host Thursday night game, have them host the Stamps or the Elks, not the Ticats or the Argos. Like this is to me, this is just inconceivably dumb and should never be allowed to happen again. Like the CFO wonders why ratings are down and attendance are down. Look no further than this boneheaded decision here. 10 p.m. game, 10 p.m. Eastern game on a Thursday night with featuring Eastern team is just stupid in my opinion. Yeah, on a Thursday night, especially. Like if you're going to do it, do it on the weekend, Friday, Saturday night. Even that's tough, but but it would make a little bit of sense. Um, but yeah, have a doubleheader on a Thursday night and the, the late game doesn't start till 10 o'clock Eastern time. It's... Uh, yeah, it's 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 it wasn't a very bright move by the schedule maker, and you know I I I think people are pretty hard on the schedule maker a lot of the time, whoever it is, whoever they are, and I tend to not be as harsh. But uh, in this instance, uh, there was a lot of you know that was just a stupid decision. Yeah, this was I'm I'm the same way with you. I think they do the best they can. Like I remember everyone hated that Monday night game with the, like you're playing a game on Monday night. The ratings mm-hmm. were excellent. And I give me Monday night at seven thirty. I'd rather have Monday night than Thursday night. I'll I'll tell you that much. That's to me, maybe that's matter. me. Like to me, it doesn't matter because you know it's still a weeknight to me. But but I can you know it's different for me because I'm in the West, right? So I don't have to mm-hmm. I don't have to stay up till one o'clock in the morning to watch the Ticats game, right? It, it'd be over at eleven, and even eleven yeah. is kind of so. And not to get back into the expansion talk, but if we're talking about moving a team to the Atlantic provinces, that game doesn't end until two a.m. Yeah. They're an hour ahead of the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. That game kicks off out there at 11 o'clock. Like what if the, we'll say for lack of a term, the Atlantic, like if you had an Atlantic schooners game in BC and obviously they would play BC at some point, 11 o'clock kickoff, no one's going to watch. They're going to be asleep yeah. before the end of the first quarter. Yeah. It's a dumb decision, but hopefully. Okay, but six, yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to, uh, Let's get back to the Ticat stuff. So the Lions, obviously, we're going to talk about them for a bit. They're coming off their first loss of the season. They were shellacked at home, 43-22, by the undefeated defending Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And they've had now a week to stoop. This also is why this stage was stupid. The Lions are coming off a bye, are playing at home. The Ticats are coming off a short week, playing on Saturday to play on a Thursday. Like, this is just all around dumb. But anyway, the Lions have kind of been the surprise team of the season so far. They're 3-1, and one, and it's mostly behind breakout star quarterback Nathan Rourke the Canadian he has kind of taken the league by storm he's got 1,355 yards passing 12 touchdowns four interceptions while also adding an additional 180 yards and three touchdowns on the ground I think he's the current maybe not favorite maybe Zach Claris has overtaken him as MOP but he's one of the early favorites for MOP and I think barring something catastrophic he's likely already sewn up most outstanding Canadian so things do not really point in the Ticats' favor in this in this one, Mike. It's a short week, a cross-country trip to play a 10 p.m. body clock game against a rested team eager to wash the taste, the bad taste out of their mouth from the last game. Oh, and I, you know, the Lions just happen to be really good. So do you think the Ticats have a shot in this one? And if so, how do you think they can accomplish coming out of there with their second victory of the season? I think they have a shot. Uh, it's going to be it's 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 not a huge shot it's it's gonna be tough man i mean you look at the bc lions they lead the league in points for offensive points touchdown offensive tds net offense second down conversions so they're they're at top of the league offensively and their defense isn't so bad either i mean they're pretty good they're you know a little bit better than middle of the pack in most categories 
third in one catch. So the the offense is stellar. The defense is good. So it's going to be a tough tough task. And the the the, the big thing once again is to not turn over the ball. Okay, I think we got better in the last game. I think you know Dane had that one fumble. I was gonna say we did we did a little bit. They still had five total turnovers, which is right. insane. But, okay, but, so I'll, I'll rephrase that. Dane didn't turn over the ball multiple yes. times. He had the yes. one fumble. Which you yes. know what you, you mentioned on the post game show that it felt like I've gone back and watched that. That's I don't think that that was Dane's fault. Like mm-hmm. I know I I might be was a little harsh on him on the post game show. I might have even been a little harsh on him in my post game column for three down. But having gone back and seen that play. Why is Alex Fontana punching the ball out of his hands? Like that, that to me was on that, that felt like, like seeing it multiple times, I'm inclined to not chalk that one up. Like I, and I've been a guy, you, if you read my stuff on three down, you listen to the show, I've not been one to, to really, I, I've, people are like, Oh, these interceptions on tip balls. And I've been like, Nope, that's on the quarterback. Like look at the throw this one. I'm, I'm give, kind of giving him a pass on this one. I don't think this one was his fault at all. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you on that. I, you know, I think Dane's gonna keep getting better and keep getting better. I think, you know, I think Don Jackson has to get more involved in the game. And you know, not that he wasn't involved last game. I think he had 11 touch, 11 carries, but he has to be effective. He, there has to be holes for him to run through. So the offensive line has done pretty good in in uh, pass protection. I thought over the last couple couple games, but. They haven't seemed to be opening holes for for Don Jackson because we know that Don Jackson's healthy. We know that he's one of the best running backs in this league. So something has to be going on there. And the play calling has to be better. The coaching decisions overall have to be mm-hmm. better. Um, the, we can't be making these bonehead decisions. Um, you know, the going for one point, it almost cost us. We almost handed the game over to the Ottawa Red Blacks in that last game because of a, a poor coaching decision. So I just think that needs to improve overall. And I think it will. I think these guys are, are ready for, uh, for a tear. Maybe it won't start with the BC Lions. Maybe it'll start after that, after we, you know, um, start playing some Eastern teams, but uh, I think we have a shot. So um, I think we play pretty well in BC over the years. And uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I know that everyone's going to expect BC to blow them out of the water, but I don't think that's going to happen. I know that they talk about like moral victories don't count, yada, yada, yada. And I understand that from a player perspective, from a fan perspective, if they don't get blown out in this one, I will leave this going. Even even if they lose, if they don't get blown out, I would leave this one going. We might've turned the corner. If they don't turn the ball over a half dozen times and they don't lose this game by like 14 plus. Like if, the, if this game finishes 31, 21 and there's maybe one turnover, Rather, like I would leave this game going, I actually feel better about them than I did coming off the win against Ottawa. You know what I mean? Like, because they are going to come up against a bunch of East Division teams, and I think that's the stretch. These next after this game, there's six in a row against these before their bye after Labor Day. I think that's the stretch where we're going to find out. We'll know by Labor Day whether this team's going to make the playoffs or not. In my opinion. Yeah, I think so I don't too. Think, I don't think this game is the one that that's going to make or break it. I think they could lose this game and then still go on a run. If they can win four or five in these next six against the East, which I know is a lot to ask for a team that, at, let's say they lose on Thursday, will be one and five. But I I think that I'm not overlooking this game, but I think seeing how well BC's played, seeing how poorly the Ticats have played, and with all the other stuff that's stacked against them. And again, the team's not going to use this as an excuse, but I don't work for the team, so I can make these excuses. This is a tough, like, just as on a, on a, on a human body, 
this is tough. They, they they've had two days of practice. They just played on Saturday. Like you know what I mean. Like this is just this is hard. Now they're traveling to BC tomorrow, and I do know some players have been working out late at night. I went for a walk last night uh, along the Mountain Brow, and I was like, the lights are on at Tim Hortons Field. Like what the hell is going on? I go online. And I think it was Alden Darby had tweeted out, or maybe put on Instagram video of him working out at the stadium at like 9 30 10 o'clock at night so i was like oh mm. and, and i think his, his caption was like you got a 10 p.m game coming up i got to get my body right it's like oh that's kind of an interesting an interesting idea and i i, I would assume he wasn't there by himself so it's like oh okay that's not it's not a terribly bad thing but again your your body's used to certain things i think that this is this is just going to be a tough a tough game i think this would have been a tough game whether bc was good or not because playing i know you said like they have gone there and they have played some pretty good games and they have they have won some games out there at this late o'clock i think last year they i think the last two years they went to bc oh no they didn't play in bc it was a year before it was 2019 which was when they were really good but they went to bc played a 10 o'clock game won a really close one i think it was something like 13 10 or something but they've gone to bc and won games but i just feel like where these two teams are right now and with the lions coming off a bye playing a team coming off a bye is always tough you add it all up. Like I'm just, I'm just hoping for a good performance. And I think that I'll be, like I said, I think I'll be more, if, if this isn't a butt kicking where they look like they did against Saskatchewan or against Winnipeg, they look more like a team like they did against Calgary. Even I know they blew the lead, but like for a lot of that game, they look pretty darn good. If they, if they look like that, I think we'll be coming on here next week. And I don't think I'll be as down on them even at one and five as I would be, if they go out there and they lose 41 to 16, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest keys to this game is keeping that, keeping the momentum going along the defensive line. Because I thought last <laughs> game was the best game, uh, especially guys like Junior, Julian Hauser had a really good game. So if you're, if Nathan Rourke is just sitting back there all day, then we don't have a chance in hell. So Nathan Rourke's a great quarterback, but he's still a young quarterback. So let's, let's, get some pressure on him maybe send more blitzes than usual because uh we have to we have to get in this kid's face yeah and i think there there is a route here to take if, if the tie cats can control the clock and i'm not saying they got to run the ball 40 times to do that but if they can string together drives keep the defense off the field keep, and keep bc's offense off the field i think they have it like i again i think it's a small chance we do our picks for three down i'm not going to pick them to win i think the smart money is on the lions and i'm not a fool but yeah, they, they can win. I think BC's dealing with some injuries. Abola Combo won't play in this game. He's been put on the six-game injured list. We know Brian Burnham won't play. Like These are the types of things that you have to take advantage of. Nathan Rourke's coming off, I guess, his worst game so far. Like It was still a pretty darn good game against the Bombers, but it was clearly his worst game. He can be... We saw we saw him struggle a little against Ottawa even in the and they won that game. And he made, you know threw a couple interceptions, then obviously yeah. came back through a bunch of touchdowns and won the game. And I think the run game has really helped him out as well because in the first like couple games, I forget the running back's name, but he was lighting it up. I mean, I oh, think he had, like, yeah, 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 touchdowns in that one game. So they had a really powerful running game, and I don't think they had that as much against the Bombers or in the last couple weeks even. Well, and the thing is, you 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 go up by a couple of scores, and it kind of takes the running game out of it. We've seen it with the Tie Cats, but it's the same with every team. And you're mentioning that works young is. Young quarter, like as good as he's looked, young quarterbacks are going to have, they're going to make mistakes. Any, mm. any young quarterback, no matter how good they become, will make mistakes. And yeah, he's, he's the darling of, every, he's the apple of everyone's eye right now. But 
there's there's opportunities here. If they win this game, we'll we'll be having a very joyful conversation because I think if they win this game, then they're they're going to go on a run and they're going to win like seven yeah. of their next nine. You know what I mean? Like this the would be a massive, massive shoot game. through the roof, right? I mean, the confidence level yeah. go to the highest degree, and then you have let's face it, the weaker opponents coming up, five or six mm-hmm. weaker opponents. I mean, if you beat the BC Lions. You're gonna be, uh, you know, you're a pretty confident bunch. I, I, I assume. I know that like power rankings don't matter, but if they go into BC and win on Thursday, you'll see them shoot up. The, like they'll be the top team in the East in in those yep. quote unquote power rankings, regardless of what the Argos do, regardless of what the Owls do. Everyone will be like, oh, okay, they went into BC and won, four, two and four. Yeah, that record sucks. Yeah, everyone should be terrified now. And oh, and they brought Kahari Jones in another, and they're going to play Montreal next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're going to, you know what I mean? Like they're going to boat race the Owls, like they're going to destroy them. And then they got those games against the Argos, and it's like, okay, like they they win on Thursday, we could be having a conversation the week after Labor Day, going, yeah. So they're four games up on the rest of the division because I haven't lost in a month and a half. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's the type of, and I think if they go in here and have a really good game, that's still a possibility. Like, I, I think I have to, we have to see how they play. If they get blown out, then I think we come back here and it's the same sort of like, okay, what do we do now? They yeah. they play good. I think we're like, okay, I can see where this team's getting better. They win. They win on playing on the parade, buddy. <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's ridiculous two and four, but that's how confident I'll be if they can go into BC and get the win. That's that's where I'll up through the roof, sky high expectations mm-hmm. go come back. Yep, absolutely. To steal a win on the West Coast. You know, ten o'clock at night. It would it would be a huge, huge accomplishment for this team. So let's just let's just hope it happens. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. So I just want to remind everyone, you and I, Mike, we will not be doing a live instant reaction show on Twitter following Thursday's game. We will be back next week with a regular episode of the sh- of the podcast, and there we will talk about what the Ticats did in BC against the Lions, and then we will be going live the following Thursday. July 28th with a post game show live on Twitter after the Ticats host the Montreal Alouettes at Tim Hortons field. So until then, this has been Podsky Wee Wee. I am Josh Smith. Now my Graham, eat them raw. Eat them raw.